Welcome back to the Born to Prosper Essential Guide series and super excited to be with you today, episode 21. We're looking at the faith tithe of Abraham versus the law tithe of Moses. This age-old question, is tithing still applicable in the New Testament? And like I always like to respond is, I'm so glad you asked. And so the Bible speaks of two kinds of tithes, the law tithe of Moses and the faith tithe of Abraham. And we're going to uncover that and open this up as I said in our previous episode, so many people never truly have been taught this or don't fully understand this. And we're on this journey together to understand that you are born to prosper, that God has three revenue streams with which He funds His local church, with which He funds His kingdom. He's dependent upon the obedient hearts and the hearts of His children who are knitted to His kingdom, who understand that there is a purpose greater than themselves, that you can't take your money with you to heaven. You don't have a U-all or a trailer behind your hearse that takes all your possessions with you the bible says what does it help a man gains the whole world and forfeits his soul so god wants to bless you to be a blessing and part of that blessing is to honor god with your offerings the first fruits of your increase the last few episodes and then today with your tithe so come on get ready to receive new revelation perhaps for the first time perhaps refresh some things you've forgotten and let's get straight into today's episode the faith tithe of abraham versus the Lord tithe of Moses. Get ready to be blessed. I'll see you on the other side of this. Episode 21, the faith tithe versus the Lord tithe. And the age-old question around the subject of tithing is always, is tithing applicable in the New Testament? And like I said in the introduction, I'm so glad that you asked. So the Bible speaks of two kinds of tithes, the Lord tithe of Moses and the faith tithe of Abraham. Now, If you understand the law versus grace or versus the New Covenant, Old Covenant, New Testament, Old Testament, you'll get a better understanding of why the Lord tithe of Moses or why the tithe was even asked at all or why it became applicable or a law under Moses' commandments to the Israelites at the time. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants to at all to redeem any of his tithes, he adds one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, or whatever passes under the rod, a tenth shall be holy to the Lord. So we see in the book of Leviticus that Moses is spelling out the tithe that is required. And so a tithe or 10% is what God instructed Moses to tell the people to bring to the temple every month. So there is a context to this instruction which so many are never taught or never understand. As the saying goes, if you take a text out of context, then all you're left with is the con. So Israel became slaves in their hands and their hearts. We must go back to the beginning to understand why did God instruct Moses to tell Israel to give a tithe, 10%, where so many people have so many issues with regards to giving generosity, which is one of the reasons why I wrote this book. Remember, we've been covering since the beginning of this series, we've been talking about prosperous principles, the law of seed time and harvest, the law of dominion and control, We've been speaking about prosperous thinking. We've been talking about prosperous faith, prosperous order. Everything goes hand in hand. So don't fool yourself to think that the enemy won't come to you and tell you all the church wants is my money, all the church wants is this and that. It's he's never going to stop because the Bible says he is the father of all lies. The Bible says that the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. And as we uncover this revelation in the next few minutes together, I'm really believing, God, that there's going to be a deposit into your spirit that you're going to see and understand why God wants you to be blessed, why God has instructed 
you to be blessed. He's commanded you to be blessed. Remember, we've had a look at Genesis 1.28. Then God said, not the pastor, not the church, not the government, not anybody else, but God said, let the earth bring forth. What? Let the earth bring forth. And that's in Genesis 1.11. Let the earth bring forth. Then he also said in Genesis 1.28, he said, then God what blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and bring it under subjection and have dominion over the command of God. Jesus' first sermon, Luke 4, 18, says what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So we're on this journey as we've been unlocking this and discovering this over the last few chapters, the last few episodes, rather. We've been looking at the fact that God's, you have to get that into your heart, into your spirit. You have to get it into your mind that God does not want you to be cursed. You can't be cursed in Christ because Christ became the curse for all of those, for humanity, for everyone who believes in him. But you can be barren. You can choose not to sow seed. But one of the ways that God blesses us is not through lawful, you must, you must, you must, thou shalt not, or thou shalt. It's not a forceful command. It is now a faith journey we walk by. So let's look at these the very difference between the Lord tithe of Moses and the faith tithe of Abraham. So what is the context then Moses had when he given the command to tell Israel that they must give 10% lawfully? The Bible tells us that God chose Moses to be the deliverer of his people who had become slaves to the Egyptians in Egypt. Initially, the Israelites had free citizenship under the rule of Pharaoh in Joseph's time in Egypt. Joseph was reconciled back to his family by the time he was prime minister of Egypt and then requested if his father Jacob and his family could move to Egypt to avoid the famine in Israel. And as a result of his position and favor with Pharaoh, the Israelites relocated to Egypt and were given free residence in Egypt. Life was good for them at the time. Joseph, Jacob, and the first generation of Israelites eventually died, and a new Pharaoh was appointed. He, however, had a totally different view on the occupation of the Israelites in his country. He decided to enslave them and remove all their privileges. The slave season continued for 430 years and with every Pharaoh that followed. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for almost five generations, which meant that every generation after Joseph moved further and further away from knowing God, from his word, and from his principles. The Israelites became slaves in their hands and their hearts. They were not only used to being told what to do, when to eat, and who to worship, but the only reference point of a God was the image of Egyptian idols, of calves and birds. The Israelites did not have to sow or reap or were unable to have dominion. Life and leadership were dominating them. Fast forward to the first night in the desert after Moses had set God's people free. They crossed the Red Sea and were setting up camp in the desert. The reality was that the generation who were alive at the time were four generations away from practicing any Jewish customs or knowing the ways of Jacob and Joseph's God. In essence, they were Israelites by blood, but Egyptians by culture. Where were these three million Israelites heading with Moses as their leader? To the land of milk and honey, the land of promise to Israel. So on the first night of rest, Moses heads off to the top of the mountain to worship God, the God that the people in the desert never knew. On, on his return and to his dismay, he found the people engaging in Egyptian pagan worship of golden calves and sexual perversion. Moses was infuriated. As much as it was, it's understandable that Moses became angry, it is just as much understandable that they knew nothing better. They had no clue about the ways and the principles of Moses' God. Israel needed to be taught to give again. It was at this point that God said to Moses to place new rules and boundaries 
around the Israelites to begin teaching them who their God was and is. Moses gives them the new rules of engagement. The Ten Thou Shalt Nots, also known as the Ten Commandments of Moses, these commands were never intended to harm the Israelites, but to channel them back to knowing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Ten Commandments would be like putting safety rules in place for your two-year-old for them not to get hurt. Thou shalt not put your finger in the plug socket. Thou shalt not throw your clothes on the floor. Thou shalt not eat vast amounts of sugar, etc., etc. So parents don't mean it negatively when they warn you. They do it out of love and responsibility. So God did the same. He saw that if the Israelites were left to their own decision-making, that initially they would end up destroying themselves. One of the areas God notices that they had totally forgotten was in giving and sowing. They only knew how to take and consume. We now know that God hinged his creation on the principle of seed time and harvest. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So God knew if the Israelites entered Israel with a stingy, taking, poverty mindset, that their land would never bring forth. Their promised land would become a problem land. So what does God do? He commands them to give 10% seed of the income to God's house. This forced seed was for their own good and not for their harm. Their tithes were seeds towards their future. God knew that if they wanted to grow there, they needed to sow there. So fast forward once again, 1,500 years from Moses to Jesus. And we hear Jesus say this in 1 John 17 or John 1:17. He says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what had happened since the time of Moses? How did the law that was intended to channel them to the promised land now become a weight and a burden? Or like anything that is misunderstood, misused or abused, the Lord now become the Israelites' standard of living. God had never intended for his children to live for the rest of their lives under the weight of the law of Moses. God wanted them to live by faith. We know this because God became angry when God asked Moses to speak to the rock and supply water one more time instead of hitting the rock and believing God by faith that he would supply all their needs. So Numbers 20 verse 12 in the message, God said to Moses and Aaron, Because you didn't trust me, didn't treat me with holy reverence in front of the people of Israel, you two aren't going to lead this company into the land that I'm giving them. So God had been gracious and protective, but had never intended for the law to be the standard. Rather, his love and faithfulness are now the standard of who he is. You see, you should tithe, but not under the law. When Jesus saw that what the Israelites were not living by, or giving in faith, but still living under the law of Moses, that was applicable for the Exodus generation 1,500 years before, Jesus then says in Luke 11.42 in the New Living Translation, What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus instructed us to tithe. This was not under the weight of the law, but as an act of love and faith and understanding of your kingdom purpose. So you don't serve Jesus or build his church under laws and rules. We do it because of relationship and purpose. Paul later said in Romans 8 verse 3, he said, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. So the law was never meant to do anything of kingdom purpose, but merely to point Moses' generation towards him. The law will only bring weakness to the lives of people and is unbearable and unrealistic to uphold. We have to give, tithe, and bring our first fruits out of faith and relationship with Jesus and not out of lawful duty and regulations. So if the law tithe of Moses is not the tithe, and we know that we should tithe because Jesus told us to tithe in Luke 11.42, 42, 
He said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Then what is the correct tithe? The answer, very simply, is the faith tithe of Abraham. Galatians 3, 5 to 9 says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and made one of the most profound statements in the New Testament that many Christians are never taught. Paul said, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Galatians 3 verse 8. So the Bible says that God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. <laughs> That's amazing. I wonder how many Christians have heard that or are aware of it. I always thought it was Jesus who first preached the gospel. So when and why did God preach the gospel to Abraham? The Bible says in Genesis 14 verse 18 to 20, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So the Bible tells us about the king of Salem named Melchizedek. This king, Hebrews writes, was a type of Christ who had no beginning or end. In Hebrews 7 verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem, or king of the city of Salem, and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. So scripture tells us that Jesus is hidden in the Old Testament and revealed in the New we can see from Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7 that Christ's time of revealing was not yet appointed, so God sent a type of Christ in Melchizedek to preach the gospel to Abraham. It's important to note what Melchizedek did and said to Abraham, Jesus also did and said when he was on the earth. Firstly, he brought out bread and wine. This is Melchizedek. And he had communion with Abraham. This speaks of the unbreakable covenant that God has with man and Jesus has with us up until today. Secondly, he blessed Abraham and Jesus blessed his disciples at the Last Supper and so did God bless man in Genesis 1.28. And thirdly, he gave Abraham good news and declared Abraham to be a possessor of heaven and earth. This is exactly what Jesus spoke in Luke 4.18. He declared a poor man to be able to possess his future by faith. He told a poor man that he could walk in dominion and overcome in life. This is the gospel message we are called to preach as well. We are to preach good news to poor people. We are called to tell them they can heal the broken places in their lives. They can walk and be free. They can restore their vision. They can look forward to a great and prosperous future every year. The fact that you are still reading this book and listening to this book means that you need to know and be reminded of this fact again as you listen to this message today. God is for you and not against you and that you are a possessor of all God's promises in heaven and earth. You need to know that your greatest days are still ahead of you because the gospel is your message of hope, healing, and of vision. So what was Abraham's response after hearing the gospel? 
what was activated in Abraham after hearing the gospel. The hearing of the gospel activated generosity. The Bible said in Genesis 14 verse 20, the A part, and he gave him a tithe of all. Hebrews 7 verse 2, the Bible also says, reminding us of Melchizedek, he said that Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. So Abraham recognized the honor to tithe by faith. Hebrews 7 verse 4 to 6 in the A part in the New Living Translation says, Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. So tithing is and never should be a law forced upon the believer. Tithing should be the greatest honor any Christian can have. The honor to recognize the call to purpose, the honor to give God a portion of the blessing that you've been blessed with to be used to advance His church and His kingdom. So look at what heaven bestows upon the life of a faithful tither to God's house and His kingdom. Hebrews 7 verse 6, B to verse 7, the Bible says, And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Without faith, we cannot please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. So, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So my question to us today as we come to the end of this episode and of the section, Prosperous Purpose, is are you a good steward in Jesus' church? Do you contribute every Sunday in the offerings after eating at God's word? Do you bring God the first fruits of your increase when blessed above your salary? And are you a dependable tither every month by faith? I want to challenge you today as we conclude this episode, like I said, to choose today to live with a prosperous purpose and become a faithful steward of your financial resources, increased possessions, and finances to build Jesus' church on the earth. When we build God's house, He will build our house. I just want to say as we conclude this section on prosperous purpose, if there's one thing that I would really pray and believe and trust God for today is that you'd catch this revelation. The fact that God put this law of seed time and harvest onto the earth and entrusted us to sow seed in order for us to reap a harvest is the one side of God's purpose for man. But on the other side, there is this incredible organism called the local church, the bride of Christ, the wife of Jesus. Think about it. If you're married and listening to this today, you'll know that one of the greatest privileges any man has is to look after his wife, his spouse, and to bless her and to buy her gifts and to love on her and to make sure that she looks beautiful and she looks well-groomed and well-dressed because the Bible said the wife is the glory of the husband. And so when your wife looks good, it's a sign that God is blessing your life and that you're advancing, you're moving forward. Now, relate that as Ephesians 5 says that Jesus, he's uh, the bridegroom of the church. He loves the church. The church is his wife. It's his bride. So why then would God just leave his wife to be this depleted or this forlorn entity if he didn't love her? It's the same way. And so what God does is he takes you and I, his children, and he blesses us. And he says, now look after my wife, the church on the earth. The same way when you are blessed, you look after your natural wife in marriage. So my encouragement to you really today 
is if you can get this one revelation. As a businessman, I want to say to you, be a generous businessman. If God has saved you, if God has given, taken your heart of stone and, and given you a heart of flesh and the Holy Spirit is in you, make it intentional. Be an intentional businessman to say, I'm going to connect my business. I'm going to give Jesus my boat. I'm going to allow him to operate in and through my business and I'm going to work for his kingdom. I'm going to labor and give a portion of my income through my business to his church. The rest, 90%, I'm going to live off and I'm going to believe God for a great and a prosperous life ahead. If you're in a career, I want to say to you, if you're earning a salary, bring God the first fruit. Bring God that faith tithe every month. Not because you have to. If you don't want to, keep it. Paul says, I don't seek the gift. I don't want your money. But I'm going to tell you to give it. Why? Because he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. The law of seed time and harvest pulls through into the New Testament. But the law tithe of Moses does not. But the faith tithe of Abraham in Galatians 3 does. Paul writes and tells us that the gospel was first preached to Abraham. And if we go back, like we heard earlier, is that well, Melchizedek, a type of Jesus, when he preached good news to Abraham, his first response was to bless the man of God with his tithe. So the tithe doesn't come to the pastor. It goes to the church. In the Old Testament, the tithe went to the Levite, went to the priest. But today it comes to the local church. And out of that, a pastor, the staff, and everybody, the church, they all get paid their salaries correctly. But God has three revenue streams, the offering, the first fruits of your increase, and the tithe. And we are responsible to ensure that God's kingdom advances in health, in wealth, in, in blessing your personal life. So don't become a hoarder. Don't become a swamp. Become a river. Let God's finances flow to you in order to flow through you. And this year, as a move of CRC, as we are in the year of supernatural acceleration, God wants to accelerate things to you, yes, but also he wants to accelerate things through you. Open up your hand. I want to encourage you. Open up your heart. Be a generous person. Watch what God is going to do. God is going to bless you incredibly even more. It's not if you give, therefore we're trying to buy God, we're trying to prompt God. No, we are giving so that we can ensure that his kingdom, his church is healthy. It's, it's well looked after because as every joint supplies, as everybody brings their part, as everybody brings their little, Jesus spoke about a widow woman who gave two mites out of her poverty, and he preached the whole sermon on that. So God is into the poor giving. God is into the rich giving. God is into the middle class. Whatever, wherever you want to place yourself, God's into every single joint supplying. And when every joint supplies, financially, through understanding these three revenue streams, God has placed in his church, in the local church. And if you can grasp hold of that and partner with God and steward your finances, watch what God is going to do. He does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now to him who is able. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches. Not according to his lack, but according to his riches. Come on, my friend. I want to encourage you. Listen to these three episodes again, to this whole section again. Prosperous purpose. Your life is a purpose. The purpose of your life is to win souls. But at the same token, your life is a purpose as well financially, to fund the local church. Look after his wife. Look after Jesus' wife. Look after his bride. You will do well to do to look after his church. And when you build his house, he will build yours. Amen. Have a great week as we conclude this episode today. Have an awesome week. And if God's spoken to you this week, maybe you've started withholding the tithe. Maybe you've gained through some financial pressure. I understand. We all go through things. But remember, the law of seed time and harvest. If you sow, you will reap. And as you bless God's wife, as you bless his church, as the doors of the churches around the world are able to stay open because of your generosity, 
Watch what happens. Every soul that gets saved in every church is accounted to you as well. And that is the greatest reward we can have, is to take people with us to heaven. God bless you this week. May Jesus be with you. May His peace surpass every form of your understanding. May your business prosper. May your marriage prosper. May your career prosper. May you be expected of exceptional increase in the next few weeks and months that lie ahead. Why? Not because we deserve it, but because our God is good. Amen. Be blessed. Can't wait to be with you in the next section. We're starting a whole new section next week. Get ready. I told you, this is an incredible journey together. And we're only just beginning. Have an awesome week. Amen. In Jesus' name, be blessed.